Ecclesiastes chapter 11. We're going to just go through these 10 verses tonight. And uh, we're just going to try to make some comments, maybe try to open our eyes to what is being said here in these verses. And so let's look at Ecclesiastes 11 and verse number 1. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth, and if the tree fall towards the south or towards the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand, for thou knowest not whether shall prosper either this or that, or whether they both alike. They both shall alike be good. Now, uh, verse 7 starts another paragraph, so let's just look at verses 1 through 6. There seems to be a recurring thought here. And we're going to try to make pretty much a spiritual application out of these statements that deal with nature. But in verse 1 it says, Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. This is another verse in the Bible telling us the law of sowing and reaping. Cast thy bread upon the waters, and thou shalt find it many days. In other words, it will come back to you. This is a good principle to use, I think, uh, this verse in regards to our efforts in evangelism and witnessing for Jesus Christ. That's what you and I ought to be doing as believers in the Lord, not keeping the good news to ourselves, but sharing it with other people. It says, cast thy bread upon the waters. A couple of verses I just want to apply here, and there are, I think, many applications to these verses, and I'm not pretending that mine are always the only ones that are accurate. That's the amazing thing about the Bible. But cast thy bread upon the waters. When we think of the bread, we think of the Lord Jesus Christ. In John 6 and verse 35, he said, I am the bread of life. Notice the word waters here. I'd like to make an application out of Revelation 17 and verse 15. It says, The waters which thou sawest where the whore sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. In uh, John's vision of the revelation of Christ, he said, The waters which thou sawest, Jesus was saying to John, The waters which thou sawest where the horse sitteth are peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. It says here, Cast thy bread upon the waters. So I'd like to just make a spiritual application here of witnessing for a few verses here that we ought to just spread the good news of the bread of life, the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the waters, upon the peoples the nations, the multitudes. And it says, For thou shalt find it after many days. If we scatter the seed of the word of God, we are eventually going to reap a harvest. God wants us to get the word of God and the message of Jesus Christ to all nations and all people of the world. We once had a couple in our church that moved down south to Greenville, South Carolina. And they asked me when they left, I said, they said, do you know of any good churches in that area that we can attend when we move into that area? And I, I said, no, I don't. I said, let me just suggest to you that when you get down to Greenville, 
that you get out your yellow pages and maybe look into the uh, yellow pages for independent Baptist churches. And if there's, you know, one there or a couple listed, go and visit them. And uh, they called me up with another problem uh, sometime after they had moved down there. And they said, Pastor, we got down here. We looked in the yellow pages in Greenville, South Carolina, and we count 55 independent Baptist churches inside of the city limits of Greenville, South Carolina. Now, at the time, there wasn't one in Buffalo. Uh, now there is, uh, I think, two independent Baptist churches. And, of course, there's other good churches, too, that you know, preach the gospel. Uh, beside us, but, but that, there's something wrong with that. Uh, you know, there, 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 there's something wrong with so many nations uh, of the world that, that don't have uh, much of a gospel witness. Uh, we, we hear of nations from these missionaries that come through. They, they have maybe one missionary per four million people uh, or, or even more. Uh, some nations don't have any. Uh, missionaries in them, and yet we've got, you know, 55 independent Baptist churches in Greenville, South Carolina. It just it just seems to me that our God is a little wiser than that than to put all of his seed in one hole. You know, I grew up on a farm, and we never dug a hole and poured all our seed in one hole. Uh, you scattered the seed throughout all the field, and um, uh, you, you didn't just plant it one place. Uh, you scattered it everywhere, and some of it didn't come up, but Ultimately, you, you ended up uh, getting fruit everywhere from all over the field and not just one place. And it just seems like the majority of workers here are in the United States of America, and we, uh, we need to try to get the Word of God outside of the walls uh, of our country. Cast thy bread upon the waters, for thou shalt find it after many days. And so this is why we encourage uh, your involvement in evangelism and in missions and uh, we're, we're, we're up to about 70 missionaries now that our church supports on a, a monthly basis, and we try to get them scattered all over the world. We just took on missionaries this past week, I think, to uh, Tanzania, uh, Africa, and um, uh, Australia, and uh, there was two others, India and um, Brazil, okay? Uh, we just were able to, because you're faithful giving to missions. We appreciate that. We were able to take on about four more missionaries in four more countries, and some of these are really doing a wonderful, wonderful work. We should try to sow the seed everywhere and uh, spread out uh, the Word of God. Uh, this is true not only about soul winning, but about benevolence, kindness, joy, compassion, love. Just, just scatter Whatever we have, whatever kind of life-giving spiritual bread we have to as many people as we can, and thou shalt find it after many days. It will come back to be a blessing to you. I think that's what verse 2 is also implying. Let's look at verse 2. It says, Give a portion to seven and also to eight, for thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. So like I said earlier, don't just pour all of your seed or all of your efforts into one hole. Uh, it says, give a portion to seven and also to eight. Just think if we took this literally tonight, and just think of all of us, even in our church here, let's just say all of us had seven or eight projects that we were working on faithfully. I mean, seven or eight people we were really trying to love, really trying to minister to, really trying to oversee kind of with a pastoral heart to see how they're doing spiritually. Can you imagine what that would do to a church? 
Uh, if every one of us had seven or eight people we were trying to really minister to, maybe give benevolence to, or pray for fervently, uh, it says here, give a portion to seven and also to eight. A lot of times, if you're not careful, you're just going to focus on one person. Uh, you've probably seen that happen to somebody. they got one particular person they want to see saved. And they put all their effort into that one person, trying to get them saved, all their prayers, all their emotions, all their study. You know, I just want to get this one person saved. Well, maybe it's time to leave that one person alone and try to minister to seven or eight other people and leave that person in God's hands. And uh, it would be a good project, I think, for every one of us to just say, Lord, give me seven or eight people in the church or in the community that I can keep an eye o open for and try to love them and sow the seed of the gospel. For thou knowest not what evil shall be upon the earth. Again, I believe this is talking about sowing and reaping. We don't know the evil that is going to come upon us. This word evil here means bad. You don't know when something bad is going to happen to you. But you know, I think if you or I have helped enough people in our lives because it's the right thing to do, not for this motivation, but because it's the right thing to do, ultimately when evil comes upon us, people are going to help us. People are going to minister to us. It will come back to you. And uh, so I want to encourage you to live for others. Isaiah 58 verse 10 says, And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry, and satisfy the afflicted soul. Then shall thy light rise in obscurity, and thy darkness be as the noonday. We are not always going to have good days, folks. And there's going to be a time when, when, when we'll want, we, we will have wanted to, to do good to other people so that we can reap what we sow. And uh, so it will be given to us when problems and evil comes. Verse 3. If the clouds be full of rain, they empty themselves upon the earth. And if the tree fall towards the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. Well, what's this all about? Well, there's just some things we can understand. <laughs> That's all. <laughs> there's some things we can understand. He's kind of setting us up in verse 3 by saying, look, there's some things we can understand. The tree falls to the south, that's where it's going to lie. The tree falls to the north, that's where it's going to lie. You see clouds filling up with rain, it's going to rain. There are things we can understand by observing them in the physical realm. But he's setting us up for verse 5, where he says this, As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with the child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. So in other words, verse 3, there's some things we can understand. You cut a tree down, it falls to the south, it's going to lie there in the south. But there's other things like in verse 5 we don't understand. Nobody knows it all. And we'll get to verse 5 here uh, in a minute. But verse 3, I, I, I don't know what this verse means, except that some things are a sure thing. And other things we don't know anything about. Verse 4. He that observeth the wind shall not sow, and he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. Here we see the law of sowing and reaping as we've seen it in this chapter already. And this is talking about the excuse maker, the person who is always trying to find an excuse why they shouldn't witness or why they shouldn't give to someone else or help somebody else or get involved. 
and uh, this person has excuses. He that observeth the wind, oh, it's too windy. I better not sow. My, my wind, my, my, the, the wind might blow my seed away, and it'll just be a waste. He that regardeth the clouds, oh boy, it, it looks like it's going to rain. I better not go out and pick my harvest. And so no matter what the conditions, the person finds an excuse uh, of, of why not to do it. Now, if we're not careful, that'll be true of us spiritually when it comes to evangelism. Uh, we'll say, well, I better not knock on their door right now. I mean, it's lunchtime. I might offend them, or it's dinner time, or maybe their favorite television show's on, or maybe the football game's on, uh, you know, or, or maybe I'm going to scare them or frighten them, so I better not go out and, and um, boy, it's, it's, it's too cold out. You know, it's in the middle of the winter here, and people aren't going to open their doors, or it's summertime, and they're on vacation, and maybe they're having picnics and parties, and pretty soon... If we're not careful, we've, we've eliminated any reason to ever go out and try to reach someone with the gospel. Uh, but there's never a wrong place to take the gospel, and there's never a wrong time. Uh, we just need to go out. It doesn't matter when. Uh, we can't be making excuses. We've got to sow. Uh, in Psalm 126, it says, He that soweth in tears shall uh, reap with joy. And we need to go forth and, and sow and reap. And, and there's examples of Jesus in the Bible where he went out at night and he met Nicodemus and talked to him about the Lord. He went out at noonday and he met a woman at the well and uh, talked to her about the Lord. Even though he was weary, he, he still kept uh, witnessing. And, uh, and there were times where uh, people were hungry, but he ministered to the masses even though they hadn't had anything to eat in a couple of days. He just... He just ministered to people. He met people in the morning, in the noon, in the night. And uh, he just set an example for us to go out there and sow the seed. Not only in evangelism, but in benevolence. If you're not careful, uh, we will always find a reason not to give to somebody. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll overanalyze sometimes. Uh, Jesus made a statement once. He said, give to him that asketh of thee. You know, but sometimes, I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes you, you start th saying things like, well, maybe they should get a job, or, um, you know, why didn't they have insurance, or uh, maybe he should get a second job, or uh, why did they make those wrong decisions and bad choices and get into all that debt? And, uh, you know, he made his bed, now lie in it, and pretty soon you've, uh, you know, and I'm, I'm talking about things that I've said in my own heart, pretty soon you've, you know, come up with a reason why you shouldn't ever help anybody anytime. Uh, and, and you just, you know, the money's all mine, so why should I help them? Uh, you know, they made their bed, they can lie in it. You know, why did, why did uh, you know, she go and have that baby anyways or something? And we, we, we tend to do things like this if we're not careful. Uh, so I want to encourage you just to evangelize. Put on the gospel shoes every day, every moment of any day God can save somebody. And when it comes to benevolence, don't overanalyze people. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I know there's times where people do have addictions and it's not a good thing to give money to a drug addict or an alcoholic or gambler or something. But, but there's a lot of times we've made wrong choices and uh, we've relied on the mercy of others uh, when they tried to help us out. So don't be an excuse maker. Verse 4, I think, is teaching us. 
Verse 5 says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit, nor the way of the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child, even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. When you see the word spirit with a small case S in the Bible, in the King James Bible, that's referring to the human spirit, not the Holy Spirit. So I want you to notice that it says, As thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit. That phrase is talking about the emotional realm. Nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. That verse is talking about the physical realm. Even so thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. That phrase is talking about the spiritual realm. So there are things we do not understand in regards to the emotional realm, the physical realm, and the, the spiritual realm. Other things are as plain as the nose on your face, as we saw back in verse 3. But there's other things. So let's not ever act like we're know-it-alls. As thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. The Spirit is the inner man inside of you, according to 1 Corinthians 2 and verse 11. That is the seat of your emotions, your attitude, your will. As you knoweth not what is the way of the Spirit. Of the spirit. Did you ever figure? I mean, did you ever notice how you can't even figure out your own spirit? <laughs> did you ever wake up depressed? I don't know why you just woke up depressed. Or did you ever wake up with exhilarating joy? You're just as happy as a lark. Or were you ever having the greatest day in your life, and then you saw a particular person in, in like a cloud that just, you know, some emotion came over you that wrecked your day. Uh, I wish I could figure out people emotionally. I wish I could figure out myself sometimes. You know, why did I get angry about that so fast? You know, why, did I, why, why was I so proud about that? It was such a little issue. Why did I make that a contention? Uh, why do I, you know, why does my spirit uh, get heavy whenever I see that person? You know, um, things like that. Uh, we... Uh, uh, we don't understand ourselves emotionally, but the Bible says we need to rule our spirit. If we have no rule over our own spirit, we're like a city that's broken down without walls. You need to rule the emotional man before it rules you and wrecks you. Your emotions can do a number on you if you don't have them under the control of God. And uh, so rule your spirit with the help of God. Ask the Holy Ghost to fill you and control your emotions and and then, I'm telling you, it works. You can, you can, you know, if you really walk with God and you have his Holy Spirit, your depressions can become very, very, very short. Now, there's no stopping depression coming into your life at times, but you can rule your spirit with the power of God so that it becomes very, very short. It doesn't linger on for days and days and days. I can get out of almost every depression in my life now in less than five minutes. I'm not kidding you. I know how to work it. I know how to rush into the presence of God and to claim his promises and pray for his help and pray for his power. You, you pretty much become a useless human being when you're depressed. And uh, it, it's not right. But it says right here, as thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. There, there's things in the emotional realm we don't know. Scientists don't know it. Uh, people in the medical field don't know it. They can tell you all about endorphins and everything and and try to make a little bit of sense out of it and find some medications that sometimes can help people. But I think God's above medication. I think he's greater than that. I think he's our ultimate help. But 
I mean, if that verse right there, verse 5, isn't true, then why do we still have psychologists and psychiatrists and, and uh, people in the medical realm still trying to figure it out? If thou knowest not what is the way of the Spirit. We don't understand completely the emotional realm. Nor do we understand completely the physical realm, nor how the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. How, how does one little seed meet one little egg, and then the next thing you know, nine months later, this, this baby comes out? What an amazing miracle. Uh, there's no other word for it but that it's a miracle of God. And, uh, you know, how does it last, you know, nine months? And, and um, it's just an amazing thing, the, uh, the development of a person physically. And they come out and their head's bigger than their chest. Imagine that. Imagine if we still look like that. You know, a head's bigger than our chest or something. No, but then the head stops growing, the chest starts growing out, and the shoulders start growing out, you know? And what makes the ears stop this big? What makes the teeth stop there? That's it, no more. But all the time, your fingernails and toenails keep growing. Um, it, it's just amazing. I mean, there's just no answers for these things. Uh, and, and I think God has made things in the emotional realm, the physical realm, and the spiritual realm just to humble mankind who's awful proud. And to humble him with a bunch of knowledge out there we can't figure out nor ever will figure out. It's a good thing to be humble. It's a good thing God has allowed things in every realm that we can't put our finger on so that we will realize we need a, a, a God who's greater than ourselves to help us in this life. And so we don't understand, uh, uh, you know, what makes your hair grow and then stop at a certain length and, and uh, so on. You know, how come guys got beards, women don't? Things like that. Even so, thou knowest not the works of God who maketh all. The same thing is true in the spiritual realm. And this has come up over and over and over and over again in this book. Where Solomon has said, look, none of us know exactly what all God's doing. But as I've said several times in this study, if you get a question in your life that puzzles you, go around the question. Go on in your walk with God, and if he chooses to answer your question, let him. If he chooses to leave it a mystery until you die, trust him, and in the next life he'll show us if we even want to know in the next life. But don't be stumped by questions, and don't be stumped by doctrines, and don't be stumped by Bible verses that you don't understand. You know, we're never going to know it all, verse 5 says. So this is where, I mean, if we could know it all, we wouldn't need faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Verse 6, In the morning sow thy seed, and in the evening withhold not thine hand. For thou knowest not whether thou whether shall prosper, either this or that, or whether they both shall be alike good. So let's go back to evangelism, benevolence, things like that. Just sow the seed anytime. Don't just say, okay, Tuesday night from 7 to 9, that's my visitation time. God, you've got to work through me during that two hours. The other 166 hours, man, I'm on break. Uh, no, God may want to use you tomorrow morning somewhere along the line to cross paths with somebody who, who wants to know about the Lord. And uh, we uh, were out to the Hamburg Fair there for 12, uh, 12 straight days from 10 in the morning uh, until 10.30 at night. In the Agri Center, we had a booth set up. And many of you went out there and worked. The Lord saved people all day long. 
didn't matter what the hour was or time was, people came into the booth. Same thing at the Dunkirk Fair. We were there from noon till midnight every night. And all during those times, every team that went out there had people who came to know the Lord as their Savior. All day long, the Lord was saving souls. That Philippian jailer got saved in Acts 16 somewhere after midnight. And the Bible says that Paul and Silas got out of prison, went home to the Philippian jailer somewhere in, a, in the early, early, early morning, got his wife and kids up, said, we need to wash these guys up. I've been beating them all night. And uh, we need to, you know... Uh, minister to their stripes, heal them up, and, and, and Paul told me how to get saved, and, and mom, you listen, kids, you listen, he's going to tell you the same thing. And early in the morning, you read that in Acts 16. Amazing. There's examples in the Bible of God saving people any time of the day. That's what verse 6, I think, in application. Verse 7, truly the light is sweet. And a pleasant thing it is for the eyes to behold the sun. Well, I've never tasted light. It says, truly, the light is sweet. Uh, but I do know the Bible often says Jesus is the light of the world. So we'll make a spiritual application here again. Truly, the light is sweet. Um, in the Song of Solomon, uh, it talks about the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, in chapter 2, verse 14, it says, For sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. It talks about the Lord having a sweet voice. Uh, another one of the prophets said his voice was still and small. And There is a sweetness about the Lord Jesus Christ, and I hope you have uh, found that out. It sure is good to be related to him. Uh, life can get sweeter all the time, uh, the more and more you see. We're told in the scriptures, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so we're talking about a spiritual taste. It, it's, it's satisfying to the human appetite, the spiritual hunger we have to know the Lord Jesus Christ and uh, to taste and see that the Lord is good. And then it's a pleasant thing uh, for the eyes to behold the sun. Isn't that true? I, I've never met anyone that says, I hate sunsets. Uh, I don't think I've ever met anyone like that. I love sunsets. My wife and I find it cheap entertainment. You know, we go over by Lake Erie a lot, uh, by the shore, and just watch the sunsets. It's, a, it's a, like a different show every night, and it's free. Um, and I hope that you will also watch and, and, and give God the glory for it. Uh, praise the Lord for sunsets and sunrises. They're some of the most beautiful things in nature. And um, in fact, in every, every season, the sun makes every season nicer. The sun even makes the winter seasons nicer. You ever seen the sun on the trees when they're loaded with ice and makes diamonds on the fields of snow and twinkling and everything? Um, Jesus is called the Son. He's called the Son, S-U-N, of righteousness, Malachi 4 and verse 2. Verse 8, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they shall be many. All that cometh is vanity. Remember the days of darkness, it says here. Remember before you were saved. 
It's a good practice to just remember what it was like before you were saved. You remember that? Well, I sure do. Man, it was empty. Uh, it was just, you just knew something was missing. You were unsatisfied. There's a big void in your heart, in your life, and you tried to fill it with everything imaginable. Just let's not blame Solomon for Ecclesiastes. We, we did the same thing. And, you know, these guys in the Old Testament didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit like we have as believers. But remember the days of darkness. Now, even as believers, there are going to be days of darkness. But never doubt in the darkness what God has shown you in the light. And even as believers, there's times where it says we see through a glass darkly. And we just, just we don't understand. We go through seasons. Our church has been through seasons over the last couple of years where we, we didn't understand some of the things that were going on around here. Just some really strange things were happening. And there's seasons of darknesses that churches go through. There's seasons of darknesses individuals go through. And, and sometimes you're almost just forced to just, through character, go through the motions during that time. Sometimes that cloud of darkness hangs over you spiritually for months and months and months before it finally clears and God shows you what that was about. And if you're saved, you know what, you know what I'm saying is true. That even though you're saved, there's days of darkness. And and um, we uh, uh, just have to be faithful and walk with the Lord through that time. And eventually the, the, the cloud lifts and the sky is clear and we're, we're back into the sunshine. But it's, all, it's not all bright all the time. So don't get a wrong idea of what the Christian life's like. If there's times you go through darknesses or depressions, don't think you're unique. Okay, all of us are all of us do that at times. I've known believers who've committed suicide. It's never right. It's never right. It's a poor testimony. It's a reproach to their maker. But they just became overwhelmed and in some problems and I think there was help for them, but they didn't look in the right places. Verse 9 and 10 will close. This is a uh, words of an old man to a young man. To a young man in verses 9 and 10. He's got a lot of wisdom now. He learned some wisdom from God. He learned others the hard way. He shouldn't have learned it. But he's using the tenor of a voice called sarcasm here, okay? And so just keep that in mind as I read verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth. And let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart and in the sight of thine eyes. What's he saying? Go ahead, young man, do whatever you want. Have a good time. But, right in the middle of the verse, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. See the sarcasm there, the tenor of his voice? He says, Go ahead, young man. Go ahead, teenager, you guys in the 20s that are still in your youth. Let your heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth. Walk in the ways of thine heart. Whatever your heart wants, whatever your eyes want, go ahead and do it. Go ahead, young man, but know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. So there's a word to the wise. And then if a young man wants to take the wisdom in verse 9... 
he says in verse 10, Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart and put away evil from thy flesh. For childhood and youth are vanity. It's an empty season in life. He's saying, look, remove sorrow from your heart, put away evil from your flesh. If you young men want to really be wise, if you young ladies want to be really wise, if you teenagers want to be really wise, he said, look, you can go ahead and do whatever you want, whatever you think's right in your eyes or in your heart, but you just remember God's going to judge you. Now, he says in verse 10, if, if some of you want to be wise teenagers, wise young men, wise young ladies, then put away evil from your flesh. Don't go there. Don't participate in the sins of youth because oftentimes they end up uh, affecting you for a lifetime. I, I heard some lady had a talk show on the radio the other day and she mentioned that one out of four of our graduating seniors from high school last year uh, has a STD, a sexually transmitted disease, an incurable virus in their body. One out of four that graduated last year, 18-year-olds from high school in the United States of America. That's scary. That's scary. That's just one application there. Well, this is a great chapter. There's some really deep stuff in there. We just scratched the surface of it. I hope we've given you some things to think about, but let the Holy Spirit be your teacher, not me. And let us pray. Father, thank you.